Today I want to talk with you about God's desire with the Christmas story to fulfill a promise. God has set some things down and has promised us things. And some of us are waiting on things, but I want you to understand that we serve a promise-keeping and a promise-giving God. The Christmas story is a reminder that God is a promise-keeping and a promise-giving God. Some of you today, as we begin this series, my goal, you're going to hear my goal for about five minutes here. But my desire is for you to really see the fullness of the Christmas story. We understand we're going to read to you one of the major parts of it today. But there's something that I want you to begin to allow your mind to take in. And, and I hope that by the end of the series that your spirit will be so full of the very reason why God did what he did in sending his son, Jesus Christ. But you might be here today waiting on a promise God gave you. Some of you might, even last night, God told you something. You were in the Word of God, and God told you something. You were driving down the road, and God told you something. And so now you are in a waiting period. You are in a time frame of seeing God fulfill His promise. Because again, we serve a promise-giving and a promise-keeping God. And I want you to be encouraged today. I want through the next few weeks, during the busy Christmas season and New Year's season, I want you to be encouraged to understand that God promised to send us a Savior. He promised to bring us a Redeemer to redeem mankind. And the birth of Jesus Christ is that fulfillment. The birth of Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of that promise. Now, you might be here today confused in what your future will be. Some of you this year may have faced some situations that right now you don't know what next year will bring. But you've been in the Word of God, you've been in church, you've been serving, you've been walking in your gifting and your call, but you're confused. And I want you to understand that there are a lot of believers just like you that are really trying to grasp a hold of what God has given in the promise, of the things that are, are beginning to settle in your heart, things you're thinking about, goals that you have, goals of the future that you have, and, and you're incorporating God and life and stuff and in there, and you're just wondering, what is this going to bring? Let me give you hope in this series. Let me give you something to stand on that is strong, that is solid. Let me give you a base that you can stand on it, that God is not through with you. God has something very unique for you, and he is going to give you a message during this series, during the Christmas season, and he's going to give you light at the end of the tunnel of reaching the goal that you are believing for and you are hoping for. So in this series, let this wonderful Christmas season be a blessing to you instead of heartache. 
So let's invite the Holy Spirit, and uh, he's been waiting for me to say this, but let's invite the Holy Spirit today. Father, thank you for the revelation of your, of your word. We invite the Holy Spirit to absolutely unveil truth today. Father, there are things that we look at, many of us, we know the word of God, we know what you said, we know your promise but there's something that we're, we're itching at, something that we're, we're grasping at. There's something different. There's something that's bigger than what we're thinking. And Father, we're desirous of understanding that and not walking into confusion. But help us, Lord, to learn through your Holy Spirit to grasp the truth that will set us free. Well, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to read this passage. I believe that we all know the elements of the Christmas story. So as I'm reading this, as I'm teaching on this, I'm not really, my focus is not the element of the story. My focus is the behind the scenes of the story to give you real understanding of your next steps. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says this, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin who is betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Watch this. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Notice all of these statements are fulfilling promises that were made in the Old Testament. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now when we read the story of Christmas, we are reading the fulfillment of a long series of promised events. And I'm not going to go over these because it would take us weeks. But there are a series of promised events, notice the term event that I'm using, that that God is fulfilling these promises. And in these fulfilling of promises, we read events that take place. Listen closely. I'm getting to a point here, and I want you to see something here. A fulfilled promise is not the end. If you don't hear anything of these next few statements I'm going to make, Hear this, a fulfilled promise is not the end. When God fulfills promises, there's always a reason why it is fulfilled so that something else can take place. And there's a, there's a situation that you and I face in our life is, and we're gonna say this a couple times today, is we have a tendency to work hard towards an event 
And when the event takes place, whether it's bad, whether it's good, it's the end. We've been brainwashed in life to always work towards an event, and when the event is done, then everything else is done. What happens is we do not reach or attain the fulfillment of what God has planned for us. I'm going to say it this way. There's a nugget after the event that many times believers don't get because they're only looking for the event, and that could be called answered prayer. That could be that the pain goes away. That could be that sickness now is healed. And we think that's the end. No, that is literally a beginning of a new step in something God wants to do in you and me. We see it in the Christmas story. A fulfilled promise reminds us that God is present in your circumstances. So every time that I see God moving in my life, what I am to be reminded of is that God's presence is there with me. I am not alone, which is another fulfilled promise. A fulfilled promise lets us know God is aware you and I needed a redeemer and we could not be good enough. So when we see the baby Jesus born celebrating Christmas, we are realizing the reason why that is we need a redeemer. And in order to have the Redeemer, it wasn't just because he was born. It was because after he was born, we recognized something, and it affected us, and we made a choice to do something, and that was confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But we could have stopped at the event. We could have stopped at the Christmas tree. We could have stopped at the manger scene. We could have stopped at many different areas, and many people do. But God has something more than just the thing that we see in the Christmas story as an event, but God's desire is to absolutely overwhelm you with absolute truth of your next step in your future. A fulfilled promise is God's advance to bring the next step in his plans for you. So sometimes we are in a realm of our life and we have a need. And God says that I will take care of those needs. I will minister to you. And in a lot of instances, we see answered prayer, don't we? We see people that that have gone through struggles and all of a sudden this answered prayer takes place. But again, the tendency is to stop there. What I'm telling you, the Christmas story is a fulfilled promise that will take you to great heights in your future if you'll see it correctly. So let's go with this same mentality and let's begin to dig a little bit deeper with this. Church, don't be discouraged and don't lose heart if you've been believing for something and it hasn't happened yet. This series will show you God will keep his promise. God gives promises, and he fulfills promises. Some of you have been waiting a week, a day, a month, a year, maybe a decade, maybe a generation you've been waiting. 
But I promise you, God will fulfill his promise. A fulfilled promise is an event that God marks, telling you there is more God has planned for you. Anytime you see something where God moves, the presence of God, and he manifests himself in your life, there's something more he's wanting to do with you. But here's the difference. God fulfilled a promise because of faith, because of belief. You know, Abraham had hope and and he had faith and all this. Pastor Dan explained that beautifully regarding hope. And so I don't need to cover that. And he took some of my notes. No, he didn't. But, But the reality is, is he's given us an understanding. Is there something more? So begin to see things differently. Because I know some of you are sitting in this house right now and you're hurting. You're struggling. You're having some things that are going on. You're wondering what to do. You've been doing everything right. You've been believing. You've been praying. You've been interceding. You've been getting in the word more. And you've been praying in tongues more. You've been doing everything. You've been saying the name of Jesus constantly. And and you're not seeing it yet, but you have to understand God will fulfill his promise. When God the Father sent Jesus Christ, his son, you and I needed to take action to receive Christ as our personal Savior. So maybe in the area of a fulfilled promise, there's some actions that we need to take. There's some things that we need to do And that's what I'm going to help you with and help myself with, with reminding myself of this is how it happened. This is what Mary did. This is why Mary is such an amazing woman. She's favored of the Lord, but Proverbs 3, 4 says, so shall you you find favor in the sight of God and man. You are favored of the Lord. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that we are his daily delight. We've talked about that that God loves you and God has plans for you and God wants to absolutely transform things in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, I love this verse. It says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So here's my question. What is God promising you today? What is he saying to you? Here's my reasoning in the series, is during the Christmas season and our life, we focus on events. The event is fulfilled, but we have to answer a question. Here's a question. What can I take out of what has been fulfilled and apply it in my life the next day or the next week or the next month or the next year? What is God saying to me when he fulfills a promise? What is God directing me into when he fulfills a promise? Some have the tendency to work towards an event, and after the event, nothing changes. You're at work, and and it's Christmas season, and the boss comes to you and says, I want you to oversee our Christmas events. And so what do you do? As you say, okay, what's my budget? All right, you get the budget. Okay, 
Uh, what, what are your desires of this? And he, might, he or she might tell you, well, I would like to see this, and okay. What about decorations? Do you want to get decorations? So you start working on it. So you're creating this visual and this wonderful thing of event, and also because you're a Christian, you're saying, Lord, help me with this, because I really want to make this good. And so for the next three weeks, here you are, you're going shopping, you're, you're putting together the decoration, you're doing all this stuff, and all of a sudden, here comes the day, and you're running around, you're up early, you can barely sleep at night, and you're praying about, oh, Lord, just help me, help this work out. I want to do this thing right because I like my coworkers, and I want everything to go well. Lord, help me. And so you put everything together, and some people come in, and they help you. You might have a few problems, but you fix it. And then you get there, and you get it all done, and it happens. And everybody pats you on the back. And everything's great. And so what do you do? God answered his, your prayer. He helped you with that. What do you do? You go home and you go to bed because you're tired. You're wore out. And then you're thinking, I don't want to do that again. That's too much stress. God answered prayer. What are you to learn from that? Where are you to go from there? Okay? Now, again, some have the tendency to work towards an event after the event. Nothing changes. There are things that God wants to do in you that is so great. But what has to happen in the events that are fulfilled, there needs to be changes in transformation. There needs to be something that you learn from that. Well, a lot of people, I've learned never to do that again. I don't want to do that anymore because that's too much stress. Okay, but what happened? What did you learn from that? What effect does a fulfilled event have in your life? What can you take out of the Christmas story today and apply it in your life tomorrow? Well, let's begin to unfold that. Let's begin to see what many learned from the Christmas story. Or, let's say it this way, what is God trying to impart into our lives so that we could do greater things in our future? Here's some statements. God is alive and at work, and he will inject himself in your situation. Number one thing we have to learn is that God is alive and at work, he will inject himself into your situation. God is not when you pray, oh God help, and you don't see an answer or you don't feel better, doesn't mean he's not interjecting himself into it. The moment you invite God into your situation, he begins to do it. He is a God, he is a promise giving and a promise-keeping God. The moment you invite God, he's there instantly. He is imparting his wisdom, his will into your life. The problem is we're looking for an event. We're not looking for what he's saying that will carry us into greater things in our future, that will carry us through our devastation. I was to have lunch with a new family in the church today. 
And he came, they came to church first service and, and had to leave halfway through the service because they have one of their best friends, their, their child had open heart surgery last Monday and they just got a phone call, they need to come in thinking that the child's not gonna make it within the day. They go over, see, here's the situation, is as soon as I got in my office, I made the phone call and, and I said, George, man, I'm, I'm devastated, what's going on, how can, how can we help? And you know, bottom line, let's pray. I said, let's do that now, and we began to pray and intercede. And the event that we're looking for is a miracle. The event we're looking for is that this child would just absolutely, and we believe and we, we proclaim the word, we did all that. Okay, I'm saying to you, that miracle happens. Is that the end of the event? Or is God wanting to interject something into you and me? Is God wanting to say something to the parents? Is God wanting to say something to George and Sue? Is God wanting to, to accomplish something in, in this, in the past, passing through the event? God will make a promise to you about some issue in your life that he will fulfill. I just want to say this to you. God is alive. He wants to interject himself into your life and he also, he will make promises to you in the process. And when he makes this promise, he will fulfill it. There's no doubt. We have to come to a place in our life that when God promises something, he will do it. But what do we do with a fulfilled promise? I remember telling Jill when she was around 12, um, I, I took her out on dates all the time and took her places, and at times we would, you know, go to amusement parks, we would go to restaurants, we'd go to the park and just sit, we'd go to the mall, and we would just, you know, walk together and talk. And this is what I always told her. I said, don't ever, Jill, compromise God's will, because he will fulfill your dreams. Don't ever compromise God's will. God gives promises, that's his will. His word is his will. And when he gives those promises, he will fulfill that. But don't compromise those things because your dreams are of future. And they will take place if you will never compromise this. You're beginning to see where I'm going with the story of Christmas when we begin talking about Mary. I remember I told you this story also telling Ryan when he asked to have lunch and he told me that he wanted to basically semi-retire from sports and he wanted to play the guitar. The moment he said that, the Lord said, remember that money you were saving? Get him a guitar. But my thought was, quit sports? Play the guitar? guitar, you know, and of course, his first thought of playing the guitar, he wanted to be in a rock group, and so a bunch of guys, you know, from the church and school, they got together, they had a rock group, never went anywhere, but they began to learn and play, and they sounded pretty good, 
But I've told him, never compromise what God has promised you. Never compromise, because God will fulfill that. I promise you, I said, don't compromise God's will, and he will fulfill your dreams. Both Ryan and Jill are in the process, in a deep process, of having their dreams come true. They found their mates. They are in their career. They're in ministry. Ryan said, I want to be in ministry. He's in ministry. Did he have some heartaches? Did he have trials? Absolutely, like all of us. I'm not saying that life is going to be perfect. The Christmas story isn't telling us that, that life is going to be perfect, but the Christmas story is telling us that God is a promise giver and a promise keeper. He will do what he says. But we need to have some corresponding actions to these promises. God does speak promises today. I don't know what he spoke to you. Some of you uh, young folks in here, I want you to understand, that wasn't that pizza that you ate. That was God speaking to you. God has shown you some things. And some of those things that God has spoken to you came to you through dreams came to you through daydreams. You might have even been watching some love story on TV, but then all of a sudden your mind went to a certain area and it literally was God speaking to you. And I'm asking you to understand that when God speaks to you, ask the Lord to help you understand when it's him that's speaking to you. You see, God fulfilled the promise of his son he fulfilled the promise to Israel to take them into the promised land. He said he would deliver them, and he did. He said he would provide for them, and he always did. Isn't it funny how when you read all those stories, is that God fulfilled his promise, but many times they didn't believe he would. In 2 Corinthians, again, verse 1 through 20, or chapter 1 through 20, says, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us. So notice this. Every one of you have a promise given to you, and its purpose is to reveal he is alive, and he is real, and he has an invested plan for your life. He has an invested plan for your life. What do I mean by that? He sent his son Jesus to break anything the enemy has done or the sin of mankind so that God's promise, everything he did through his son, the birth of Jesus Christ and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ was done as a fulfilled promise by a, a promise-keeping God that says this to you. If you will look at me and understand I will never fail you. But you will begin to look and see the many men and women in the Bible that have gone through the very same thing that you have gone through, but you don't see what they did after the fulfilled promise. There's a nugget after the promise is fulfilled. What is that? What is that? 
Because most people never looked for that. They never looked for that nugget that's past the fulfilled promise. They just looked for the event to be finished. And you know what happens? This has happened to me often until I got this revelation many years ago. Is I would ask God to fulfill what he says. Once it was done, the event was over. Now I can go on to something else with, with no focus, with no vision, nothing for the future, but wow, I got through that. I got tired of that life, did you? Didn't you get to, Many of us got saved because we are tired of the fact of going through the same stuff over and over, and we knew we needed a redeemer. We knew we needed a change. So there are three things all of us must do to engage in the promise and see it come to pass and see our future, see the nugget come to pass. And I'm going to show you the three, but today I'm going to talk about the first one, and next week I'll talk about the other two. This is awesome in in the Christmas story. The first thing that we must do to engage into the promise after it's fulfilled is accept the promise. Accept the promise. Many think God generally makes promises, and wherever they may fall, it happens. We read the Bible, and the Bible is full of promises, and we read, and we read, and we read. So, oh yeah, that's great, that's great, that's great, that's great, that's great, that's great. Well, what about me? But you know all these promises are for you? You must accept you are so important to God and his plans that he promises you things. You know how many believers read the Bible and they never think that's for them? You say, how could they do that? We all do that. We read through the Bible and we read, oh, that's cool, but we don't personalize it saying, you know what, that's for me. All the promises are yea and amen. That's for me. And so we go through life facing the difficulties of life, and we make decisions based upon that's not for me, that's not for me, that's not for me. But we see in the Christmas story, in a moment we're going to show you, that some of the main characters of the story, (laughs) the promises were made, and even though they were confused, Even though they didn't understand it, they said, so be it. Do you need direction today? Do you need healing today? Do you need something personal that maybe you couldn't share with anybody? He is a promise-giving and fulfilling God. The second thing that we're going to talk about next week is we must believe the promise We accept the promise, but we must believe the promise. And the third, you must wait for the promise. Let patience have her perfect work. So let's look at the first one, accept the promise. The angel appeared to Mary, and he promised her what would take place in her body would be of God. Now just, guys, we don't even think this way, but let's try today. Here is an angel, Gabriel, coming to Mary 
and then says to her, you're going to conceive a child, and this child's going to be a son, and he's going to be born, he's going to be highly favored, he's going to be worshipped, he's going to be great, all these different things. And the first thing that she thinks about, I haven't been with a man, I'm a virgin. How could this be? Someone is talking to her about her body, and she has no clue what this guy's talking about. She's listening to this. Matter of fact, she starts thinking, what manner of person this is? Is this evil? Is this good? Is this right? Is this wrong? Is this a lie? Is this someone fibbing me? All right? Mary doesn't understand it. She hadn't been with a man. And the angel gave a brief explanation, but it was beyond her mental comprehension. Let me just tell you this. The thing that God wants to do, the nugget that God wants you to understand and to walk in, as Mary did with the Christmas story, is beyond your mental comprehension. What God wants to do in your home, what God wants to do in your family, what God wants to do in your business, your job, for your future, is beyond your mental capacity. Greater is he that's within us than he's in the world. But greater is he that's within us than our understanding in our own mind. When you ask of things, the Bible tells us that when you ask of things, that he will do greater than you could ever ask or think, mental capacity of what to ask for. He is so big, church. He is so huge for your life. He desires so much for you. He desires so much for your home, for your kids. He desires so much for your business and your job. We cannot even think how big he wants to work with us and how intricate and fantastic and, and just amazing what he wants to do in your life and in mine. That's the same thing with Mary. But look what Mary says. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So let me give you a little understanding, especially to us guys. Here's this woman who's in love, betrothed to Joseph, knows that one day she's going to get married, knows one day she's going to have children. And all of a sudden, this angel appears to her and says, hey, and begins to explain briefly what's going to happen in her body. She's confused. She doesn't know what manner of thing this is, how she's supposed to accept it. But all of a sudden, she understood this is from God. And what she says, be it unto me as what you said, or be it unto me as God has told you to tell me. This is what she was thinking. What's my mama going to say? Mom, I'm pregnant. What's my friends going to say? I'm pregnant. What's the world going to say to her when she goes up and says, oh yeah, an uh, angel appeared to me. 
God told me I'm going to have God in me. You know, I mean, it's like, what's she going to do? And my question to you today is, what are you going to do with the situation that you're in? It's beyond your mental capacity to figure out how to fix it. Does that make sense? It's beyond your, your ability to even dream of how am I going to handle this situation? But see, God knows. You know why? Because we know he is a promise-giving God and a promise-keeping God. And he will give promises that are, watch this, beyond human belief. But it's not beyond spiritual belief. Because Mary accepted that it was from God and knew that if it was from God, that it would be fulfilled. And she accepted that. No matter what she faced, no matter what went on, watch this, accepting is appropriating God's promise for me. When you accept it, you're not accepting it for Joe down the street, Linda down the street. You are accepting it for you. It becomes personal. All of us believe God's promises, but the next step is believing God will make the promise for you. You know it's easier to believe for someone else than for yourself? You know why? Because you know your faults. Mary knew her faults, and watch this. Mary knew the faults that people were going to accuse her of. How could this happen? Because now I'm going to be pregnant and not married. It might be a simple thing. It may be a hard thing that God promises you. But so many times through the years, I have seen God do miraculous things because I've accepted his promises as mine. I've accepted his word as mine. What is stated in the Bible is mine. What is stated in the Christmas story is mine also. Because he promised a Savior, and the Savior was born. And he did it through the Virgin Mary. Well, let's look at this a little bit closer. The reason why people don't accept the promise is this, the promise is yours, but don't let the focus be about yourself. I said it that way because I wanted you to think. Let me explain it better. The promise is yours. You must accept it, but get yourself out of your way. What is that? Get yourself out of your way. We question our own worthiness. We question about their own failure or performance or their unworthiness. Many rely on their logic and try to figure out how God will accomplish what he put in their heart to do. Church, stop measuring 
your human worthiness to the miraculous power of God's promise. Stop measuring your failures compared to God's greatness. Because let me tell you if, you, if you measure these things, if you get to the place in your life where you constantly are looking at yourself and your failures, your uh, difficulties and your bondages and your, you know, whatever you want to call them, and you are measuring that to God's greatness, it'll never measure up. And what happens, you stop accepting it. You say, it can't be mine, because look at me. Let's, what, look what's going on in my life. So this is what happens. I then can't figure out how God will do it. So I can't accept the fact God may be doing something so great, my mind can't comprehend it. Ladies, put yourself in Mary's shoes or sandals. Put yourself there. You're just hanging out. I mean, you're, you're young. You're in love. You're planning your wedding. You're doing all this wonderful stuff. And all of a sudden, this big old angel, glory, comes and says, you're going to be pregnant. And who's in you? going to be the son of God. And it goes on and on and on and on in that area. And you're standing there and you're going, oh my Lord, what is going on here, right? And you get to this place and you said, there's no way this can happen. That's not from me. So you stop accepting the very things that God promised you. People will point their finger at you and say, look, She's pregnant. She's not married. Ooh. She made a mistake. We've all made mistakes. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen? But the reality is that's why we needed a Savior. Jesus was born so that we can live a life of God's power in us and God himself living in us when we're born again. And we have to come to the place now, no matter where we're at, no matter how old we are, we have to come to the place to say, God, you can still do this thing in my life. You can still change this in my life. Maybe I've messed this up and I've messed this up, but God, you could take me today and here's the nugget, because I know you'll fulfill your promise, then my future will be greater. My future will be better because I've stopped measuring myself up and my own capacity to think about it. And I just accepted it. So I step away not accepting what God is doing because it's beyond my own mental capacity. Regarding God's promise to you, we're almost done here. Some people will not understand it. Have you ever shared something with someone that you knew God told you and you told them and they go, what, you're weird. You ever done that? Yeah, okay. Some, you can't even tell them the promise until it's fulfilled. There are things that God has shown me through the years that, that maybe I shared with my wife and sometimes I'd even share it with her. I just knew it was something I had to just stand on and believe and accept. Mary didn't take an advertisement out into the Galilee Gazette either. 
declaring what God did for life. Saying, some of you are accusing me of, but let me tell you what happened, drew a picture of an angel, you know. No, Mary didn't do that. But Mary accepted the promise. And she made this statement. Be it unto me according to your word. I've learned a long time ago. Every day I'm in scripture. Every day I'm in the word. I'm reading the word. And when I'm reading the word, I'm saying, be it unto me according to this word. You are a a promise giving and a promise keeping God. And I accept this as mine. Whether it's healing, whether it's prosperity, whether it's joy, whether it's peace, whether it's authority over the enemy, I accept that. Luke chapter 1, let's, let's read this, verse 46 through, through 55. Mary, Mary's acceptance was exemplified in the song of Mary. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the, imagine, in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. You know, one time when Jesus uh, was, was talking, watch what he says. Luke chapter 11, verse 27 through 28. We just read what Mary said. Look what Jesus said. And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. Well, watch what Jesus said. This is what I'm talking about. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. What Jesus did was he told them the nugget. He told them how to go further. The truth was, yes, Mary was blessed. Yes, Mary was highly favored. And today we still talk about Mary. But here, here God's promise and accept it, keep it hidden in your heart. God will cause it to manifest. Why? Because you have got to a place in your life where you accept what God says as yours. But Jesus said, there's more than that. There's a nugget after that. Will you accept the word that manifests in the process of the fulfilled promise? And when you do that, we're going to see next week, when you do that, you're going to begin to see In this beautiful Christmas story, listen, church, I love all the Christmas songs. I can't wait till the concert. We got some special guests, people that, you know, anyways, we got some great stuff going to be happening. It's going to be a blast. All right, so come Saturday night, 6, Sunday night at 6 o'clock. 
But hear my heart. We can have all the trees. There are people, because a couple scriptures in the Bible, it talks how people worship the tree, and this is a symbol of worshiping another god, all that. You know, just, just, I tell those people, after I listen, I quote a couple scriptures to them, then I finally, when they want to argue because it's something they have to hold on to, to be negative, I just say, get over it. All right? And then, of course, you know, we can go ahead and be so doctrinal that we, we don't have the beauty, you know, of, of the nativity scene. You know, the wise men weren't there when he was a baby. They were there when he was two years old. Okay? If you come Wednesday night, you'd hear all about that. Anyways, the reality is, is that's why the, the Pharaoh, he wanted to get rid of two years and younger. Okay, because Jesus was two years old when that happened. So, okay, everyone run to the foyer, get the wise men, and grab them and throw them in the street because that's false doctrine. You know, just get over it. Amen? Just, you know, I just really, get over it because it's beautiful. It's a picture of the whole. Amen? It's a picture of the whole. And so we don't worship that. And if I see any of you get on your knees and start doing this to the manger scene, I will walk up to you and grab you by the elbow, pull you up and say, come on, man, that's not what this is about. Mary said, be it unto me. I accept what you say. I'm a little confused. It's way beyond my mental capacity but I accept it. And we're going to learn about belief next week and how it turns, the confusion, all that turns into belief. But the reality is Christmas is a beautiful thing. And the story, if you see it properly, will take you into such joy and take you into a place of you grabbing that nugget after a fulfilled promise. Let's all stand.